Well, good evening. Good evening. I think we're still waiting a couple of classes. Uh, welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. For some of you, this is your first time to chapel. Is it your, if it's your first time, can I have you raise your hand? First time, chapel. Let's welcome them, those of you that are raising. Welcome to chapel. It's good to have you here. Our speaker for the evening is Dr. James Russum. He's the director of pastoral ministries programs here at NBC. Let's welcome Dr. Russum. Dr. Russum, thank you for being here with us. We have a new theme uh, this year, and it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1. And if I can have you uh, read it along with me, let's say it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? Amen. Amen. We'll be focusing on the different parts of that scripture throughout the year. Let us stand as we worship this evening. Aren't you glad that you're empowered by the Spirit of God? Amen. Uh, Paul tells us, you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Did you, did you get that? You were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let us pray together. God, our prayer is that you meet with us tonight. Open our eyes and we want to see you. You are a wonderful God. You are glorious. You are holy. Pour out your power and love on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow your heads with me, please, and let's just enjoy the presence of the Spirit for a moment. The Lord knows we come from long days. We come from our classrooms. We'll be returning to Jesus. For the next few moments, can we just concentrate on Him for a minute? Would you take a moment to let the Lord know how much you love Him this evening? Father, we adore you. We lay our lives before you this evening. We come into your presence, for you are the author of peace that passes understanding. Grant peace to our hearts and to our minds this evening that we might be good receptors of your word. Yes. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. And thank you for bringing us to this place and to this moment. Thank you for your care and your blessings. Can you think of something that you'd just like to say thank you to Jesus for this evening? Something he's done in you, for you, through you. But you're just thankful this evening to be a servant of the King. Lord, we confess this evening that we need you desperately. <laughs> we don't know where we would be if we didn't have the privilege of living in your presence. Thank you that it is still true that our fears are vanquished, our hearts are mended and molded, and we are made more like you when we open up our hearts and our lives and our minds to your word and to the leadership of your spirit. 
And now, O oh Lord, bless us not only with your presence, but with your transforming power. Yes. May in the sanctifying spirit that Jesus provides for us, may we learn what it means to have a spirit of power yes. and of love and of a sound mind. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we all have something in common as we've gathered here this evening. If you've come to Nazarene Bible College, you're here because God called you here. That's true if you're a student. It's true if you're a professor. I'm a graduate in the second class of NBC, 1971. I was only 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when I came, I was uh, a newlywed at the age of 19, and I was one of the, young, uh, one of the youngest uh, students on campus, and uh, what a wonderful time that was. But I, I discovered even then that one of the things we all had in common was that at some point, God had not only saved us, but talked to us about something he wanted to do in us and through us, and we call it a call that God has on our lives, and that call included coming to Nazarene Bible College, and almost everybody I ever heard that heard that call said, God, you're knocking on the wrong door. <laughs> you got the Me? Are you kidding? Surely you're kidding, Lord. But we discovered he was not kidding. And we discovered that the ones that God calls, he also equips. We discovered if we make ourselves available, he'll make us adequate. We discovered that God never calls us anywhere that he does not go with us and before us. And that the will of God will never take us to places where he cannot care for us and minister to us and raise us up in the power of his spirit. And so we have that in common. But we also have something very similar, that in common with Timothy, to whom this letter is addressed. Very affectionate words from the Apostle Paul to the one he considers to be the son in the faith for him, someone he has poured his life into, someone that he has laid his hands on and prayed for and has recognized that God wants to do a great work through Timothy's life. And I have a feeling that as awesome as that must have been, that Timothy shared some of the same kind of feelings that you and I have, like, well, yeah, Paul, if I was like you, if I were a Paul, that'd probably be a piece of cake, but, but I'm a Timothy. And I wonder if maybe even he might have thought of himself as a timid Timothy from the words that the Apostle Paul gives him in this letter. Great words of encouragement that should encourage you and me. Some of you have not been in school for a long time. Let me see your hand if it's been just a few years since you were in school. And we understand as professors that that can be very intimidating. I want to tell you something. God didn't send you here to fail. Amen? He didn't send you here for that. He knows exactly what you'd be facing. He knows all about term papers and all that stuff. Okay? He knows all about that. And God's going to help you with all of it. Well, let's take a look at what Paul has to say about Timothy in the context. And we're going to concentrate on verse 7. And I want to read it this evening both from the NIV and the King James in order for us to get the full impact of verse 7. Listen to these tender words from the Apostle Paul. In verse 5, he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, 
and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And I like the way the King James says it. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? You can't help but ask yourself, well, what does it mean? But not only that, one of the things that I wanted to know when I first came across that is, well, okay, great, but God, how are you going to do that? Now, I don't know about you, but I got a few TV programs that I really enjoy. One of them is how this is made. And you see how they make expansion bridges and highways and all kinds of grandiose things and guitars and guns. And I like watching that. But then there's another one I like called Unwrapped. Maybe you've seen that on the Food Channel with me. And it shows you the secrets of how they make Twinkies, for example. Okay. <laughs> Always wanted to know, you know, important things in life. Now, I flipped through the channels the other night, and I don't know about you, but I like Cheetos. Anybody in here besides me like Cheetos? Okay. I always wondered how Cheetos were made. Okay. I mean, you can always tell a good Cheeto eater, right, for the orange on their fingers. You can't eat Cheetos without them getting all over you. Did you know that a Cheeto is nothing but extruded baked cornmeal with some cheese powder on it? That doesn't sound so hot, does it? But man, you should have seen all the machines that it takes to take that from cornmeal to a dough, to an extrusion, to a little chunk, to the powder, to the package, to the store. So that's how they did it. Always wondered, how did they do that? What did that look like? How does that happen? And as wonderful as this to read this verse, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, how does he do that? How does that happen? How does that take place? Well, as we unfold that verse together, I want to show you. What Paul is saying to Timothy is, here's how God's going to do this. God is going to give you a spirit within of power, love, and sound mind. Now, when I first looked at that, you know, I'm, my first thing is to take a look at the word spirit. And I'm all familiar with, with looking at that word from the vantage point of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of man and so forth. But as I continued to study that word, one of the things that I discovered was that pneuma is also used with the idea of having a certain mindset or disposition. I thought about that. That's so cool. Now it makes sense to me. God is going to put within me a spiritual mindset disposition that's going to allow me to believe and to know that he is going to give me power and love and a sound mind. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have to beg for it or trade for it or earn it. God is going to lovingly do this for me. He is going to place within me the ability to do all that he's called me to do. So that takes us to the second word. If the Spirit is a mindset, a spiritual disposition, a way of looking at things, and it's a spirit of power, then what is that? And the original language reminds me that dunamis is a word that means an inner ability, 
a, a mighty power. Not the power that I could muster on my own. Not that anything that I could kind of do just by trying harder. But God is going to take His mighty resurrection power, Paul called it. He's going to take that and He's going to place it within me so that I can say, like Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, including make it through NBC. <laughs> including make it through those term papers and exegetical papers and those sermons and, and all that I'm going to do. God is not ever going to ask you to do any of this by yourself. For the God who loves you and has called you and has redeemed you has prepared for you the ability to do what he's called you and redeemed you to do. Amen. Isn't that good news? It's not up to you. For he's not given us a spirit of fear. Now, I like the way the King James says it, says it because when you look at that word, it tells us that it comes from the root word, which means cowardice. God has not given you a spirit of cowardice. Now, when I think about the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, I think about things that Paul says in his letters to the churches. And I hear Paul saying things like this, you are more than an overcomer through him, who loved you. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. I hear him saying to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hear words like victory, joy, power, wonder, might, miracle. And I think, wow, right. I don't have to be afraid because God gives me an ability to believe that the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well in me. Now here's a question. Are you aware that that's what God has done within you? You see, it's possible really to believe in Jesus, to, to love him and to ask him to forgive you of your sins and not fully understand what it is he wants to do in you. Paul describes that in the book of Romans, how he lived in and out and up and down and unsure and, and one day this and one day that and so inconsistent and and did he already believe in Jesus? Yes. Did he love Jesus? Yes. But there was something, something that was not fully understood and embraced and believed and experienced in Paul at that time. And then he gets to Romans 8 and says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. I'm not laying my head down at night wondering, Was I good enough? Did I do enough? Have I been all I'm supposed to? None of that stuff anymore. Because I'm not walking. I'm walking in the power of of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you understand that's how Jesus wants you to live? Not up and down, in and out, insecure, unsure. Not wondering if you can, but a can do. Not a positive thinking, but a positive believing that says, I can do it in Jesus. For he's not giving us a spirit of cowardice or timidity. And timidity to me is not quite as powerful as thinking about being a coward. Okay? You don't have to be a coward. Because everything you need, every word you need to say, everything you need to do will have an inner impetus within you through the mighty working power of God. For he has given us a spirit of power. And then he's given us a spirit of love. Love's an interesting word. I guess you could say, I love Cheetos. But I don't love Cheetos like I love my wife. And I don't love Cheetos like I love God. Love's kind of a funny word in the English language. It can mean so many things, can't it? But the original language tells us 
He is going to place in us a godlike, godly love. So it uses a very special word that they brought back from old poetic literature that was not used in common day anymore because the love that God places inside you and me is so special, so unique, so powerful, so different that you can't find it anyplace else but in a living, awesome, wonderful, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And what God wants to do is to give you the ability to love the unlovely. Amen. To love those who don't love you back. Amen. To love those when you preach, don't come up to you and say, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. Instead they say, what are you thinking? I told my wife one time, I'd appreciate it if you'd say amen instead of oh yeah. God gives you the ability to love beyond what you would ever be able to do on your own. For we've not been given a spirit of cowardice that draws back and says, well, I can love everybody but them. No, we've been given this powerful, mighty spirit that says, I can love everybody through Jesus Christ. Even Dr. Lambright. <laughs> I owed you that one, brother, for the other night. <laughs> we don't hold grudges around here. We just get even, you know. <laughs> In Jesus' name, of course. But a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, the NIV says self-discipline. but I like the way the King James calls it sound mind. But either way, the interesting thing is, in the original language of Scripture, it really comes from the root word discipline. But it's not the idea that I grab myself up by the bootstraps and I just try a whole lot harder and I'm going to be a self-disciplined person. No, it is the idea that God places within me a spiritual dynamic that disciplines myself, that allows me to live consistently according to the Word of God, that allows me to think like Jesus thinks, that allows me to do what God has asked me to do, that allows me under the discipline and care and leading and power of the Holy Spirit to make obedience the norm of my life. Amen. Now, I have something to confess to you. When I came here as a student at NBC, I'd heard all about sanctification and all that kind of stuff. I didn't believe it. You see, the first formative years of, of my life and my faith were in a tradition that basically said, you're going to spend the left, ref, all the rest of your life living in a repent, forgiveness, repent, forgiveness, repent, forgiveness mode. That's, that's how you live. That's how you're a Christian. You just keep repenting and God keeps forgiving and you keep repenting and God keeps forgiving. Well, I believe that's true. You repent, God forgives. He's just, he does it every time. But I sort of had this idea that words like victory and conqueror and overcomer were not in my vocabulary because I was kind of thinking that, well, I'm just going to always going to mess up and thank God he's going to always forgive me for messing up and I'll just love him and try not to be the mess up I was before. And, and I, I just, I never quite understood what Paul was telling Timothy here. Because I kind of thought I had in my mind, I think, that, that too much of it was up to me. And I came to Bible college and I found out that what God really wants to do in me is truly to cleanse my heart and deliver me from living like that so that I understand what it means to have a spirit of power and love and a disciplined 
so. Now, in the church in Nazarene, we call that being entirely sanctified. The entirely comes from the part of the aspect of where Paul prayed that our whole spirit, soul, and mind, all, all through, every aspect of us would be cleansed and set apart unto God. When you find out that God wants to do that for you, regardless of your tradition, and I realize everybody in here is not in the Nazarene tradition, so let me just say this to you. You may define that differently than us. And you may not ever use the term entire sanctification. We will because that's the kind of college we are. But here's the point. What we want for everybody to discover is there truly is victory in Jesus. There truly is a spiritual dynamic power of the Holy Ghost within that allows you to live in victory over sin. That allows, that doesn't mean you can't ever sin, but my friend, sinning is not the norm for a spiritual Christian. Amen. Paul said, should we go on sinning grace abound? Absolutely not. John said that if you truly know Jesus, you can't keep on in the business of sinning. So I'm not, I'm not talking about a perfection, a human perfection. I'm not talking about glorification. I'm just talking about a spirit power that God gives us that was promised by the prophets of old. I love it when I read, God's going to take out that old stony heart, and he's going to give you a new heart. That old stony heart was stiff-necked, and it was rebellious, and it was at odds with God, but God's going to give you a new heart, and it's going to be soft, it's going to be flesh, it's going to be moldable, it's going to be mendable, and you will be obedient to God, and you will love his laws, and you'll be his people, and he'll be your God. I think God really wants to do that in us. Amen? Now, where I come from, that means I need a... See, I think God really wants to do that in us. But here's what I know. You can't receive what you don't believe. Because Jesus himself says, according to your faith, so be it. So if you don't think God can really do that in your heart, guess what? You'll not surrender to that. You might not even desire that. You might think that's something that's out of reach that doesn't happen until you're dead, rotten, and forgotten. You know? No. God wants to do that now. For we've not been given a spirit of, of cowardice and timidity that draws back and says, oh, I can't, and here's all the reasons I can't, here's all the excuses I can't, and I was born a sinner, and I can't, and all this other kind of stuff. God didn't give us that kind of spirit. He gave us a spirit of power, an inner ability to do what God wants us to do, and of love, the ability to love what God loves, and of a sound mind, or a spirit that disciplines the inner self that says, yes. To God and no to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what you may call it or how you might describe it theologically, this is what Paul wanted Timothy to understand. Understand what it is that God wants to do in you. It's not up to you, Timothy. You'll never preach in your power. You'll never pastor in your power. You'll never love in your power. You'll never pray for healing in your power for people. You'll never minister to people in your power. But you will in God's power. So don't draw back, Timothy. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Now let me say this. He's not talking here about the human emotion of fear. I've been saved and sanctified a long time, but when a snake crawls in front of me, brother, I get fearful, okay? <laughs> Man, I, I mistakenly went to a church service one time where the, in Tennessee. I'm a hillbilly, you know. And, 
And they had this box down front, and I didn't know what they were doing. And the next thing I know, there were some people reaching that box and grabbing some snakes. I looked at my dad, and my dad looked at me, and we said, we are not in the right place. <laughs> Jalahooya. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we made a quick exit. <laughs> Got out of that place. Man, that snake handling is not for me. But who comes to speaking boldly with the word of God. When it comes to facing the world head on and saying, no, I don't have to live that way. God has something better for me. When it comes to saying to people, no, you don't have to stay enslaved or entrapped. God has freedom for you. When it comes to living the life that God's called me to live, when it comes to proclaiming the truth that he's called me, no timidity. Why? Because I'm so brave? No. Because God has given me not a spirit of timidity and fear. Why am, what am I not afraid of? Well, first of all, I'm not afraid of the judgment. John makes that plain that that's what he's talking about here. See, I don't lay my head down at night and say, boy, did I teach good enough? Did I pray enough? Did I this enough? Did I that enough? I can't even find in the Bible where enough is enough. Hey, take prayer. Pray without ceasing. Well, how do you do that enough, right? But I don't lay my head down at night and worry about enough because Jesus is enough. Amen. And the spirit that he has placed within me is enough. Amen. So you don't need to lay your head down and I wonder, am I ever going to graduate? Am I ever going to make it through? Am I ever going to be prepared? Am I ever? Just quit that stuff. Of course you are. Because Jesus called you here and has given you a spirit, not of fear, if you're going to be good enough, but of power, the ability to do what you need to do, and of love, the ability to love the Word and the things of God and love what God loves, and of a sound mind, the ability to be disciplined within yourself to do what God wants you to do, and you will be more than an overcomer through Christ. Amen? Amen. I have a feeling Timothy read those words, and he said, you're right, Paul. With God, I can or you're right. That's the spirit that he has placed within us. So I ask you this as we get ready to close. Are you aware of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and life? Do you understand this is how God wants us to live? Not in fear of judgment. Not in fear of acceptance. Not in fear of a lack of assurance of our salvation. Not in fear of any of that stuff. I am his, and he is mine. Are you his? Paul told the Romans that if we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, that he would renew the way we think. Think about that. The ability to think like Jesus. Because if we think like Jesus, we'll act like Jesus. Amen? That's where it starts. The ability to love like Jesus. The ability to live like Jesus, after all, that's where the word Christian ever came from. Look at those people. They live like that Christ guy. Are we living like that? Are we being the people of God? You can't do it in your own strength, but you can do it in the power of God power, God love, and God discipline. And that's what he wants to do in your heart. Has he done that in your heart and life? Have you just opened yourself up to him and said, Lord... Take it all. Like Paul said, let's give myself to you as a living sacrifice. Here I am, all of me. Now flood me with that spirit that empowers, enables, keeps, 
and propels me to live for you. Stand with me, please, and bow your heads for a moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced what I'm talking about? Have you just opened yourself up to say, oh God, that's what I need, that's what I want. Here I am. Fill me with your spirit. And in so doing, I will know, I will experience, I will have and I will embrace not a spirit of fear, but of God-given ability, of God-like love, and of Christ-like living and discipline. If you would like God to help you in any of those areas, I'd like for you to just come and stand around these altars with me as I close this in prayer and say, Lord, I want that to be true of me. If there's anybody like that this evening, not going to sing, not going to beg, just going to ask you to come and stand and let's pray together. Anybody like that? Does God need to do that in your heart tonight? You know the Lord loves you. You know the Lord has forgiven you of your sins. You know that he has called you and you are here. But you know you can't do it in your own power and strength. You need what Paul talked to Timothy about. We all do, don't we? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand before you this evening. We kneel before you this evening. And we say to you, oh God, thank you that you have never intended for me to do this in my own strength or power. Thank you, you have never said work harder and measure up. Thank you, you've never said you just need to love, you just need to try harder. You have said no, open up your heart and life to my saving and sanctifying power. Through the Holy Spirit that can come and cleanse your heart and fill you with power. As Jesus said, when the Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. And Lord, those timid disciples who were fearful of their lives became world changers because of that power you placed in their heart and life. And Lord, you can teach us to love because you empower us to love and you fill us with perfect love in our hearts so that we can love like Jesus. And Lord, you will give us an inner discipline that comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that allows us not only to have the power of Christ and the love of Christ, but to live the life of Christ in a fallen world. And so by faith, we thank you and praise you that what you said in your word was the spirit that you give to us, you now give to me, and I accept it wholly and completely. In Jesus' precious For he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If you believe that, church, say amen. 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 And that's the good news that we have to proclaim to the world. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.